0: equality even possible? Concentrating on this for a moment, cut off from the rest of the world and his family, Mandela spent an arduous and grueling twenty-seven years in prison, yet his indefatigability for socioeconomic equality for his people never showed away. However, even after his half a century long fight against the melancholic system of apartheid, systematic racism, discrimination, inequity, gender in- inequality and inequality in general lingers and persists in our society daily. Nevertheless, Mandela's indefatigable endurance stands as a poignant reminder and testament that global inequality is not inevitable, and that through solidarity we can at least one day achieve global inequality, where everyone has equal opportunity. So in the immortal words of Nelson Mandela, as long as poverty, injustice and growth inequality persist in our world, none of us can truly rest. In our status quo, even after the abolition of apartheid, South Africa remains one of the most unequal nations of the globe, with the wealthiest one tenth of one percent of the nation's population stunningly owning approximately thirty percent of the state's entire nominal GDP, more than twice as much as the wealth owned by the other bottom ninety percent of South Africans. However, inequality is not ju- is not a contempo- contemporary concept by any means. In fact, historians and economists ec- economists who have studied the circuit and trajectory of economic imbalance throughout our history as a civilization, have yet to find a single society without it. This factual statement brings us to an unsettling question that we might or never have the answer to. Is the fight against inequality an attainable goal, or will we be perpetually stagnant, traversing through the same path again, where the marginalized will always be disadvantaged no matter what changes are made? If I told you right now that I had to answer this question, well, I would be lying to you. But there are certainly ways to stagnate the inclining growth of global inequality. One way to quantify inequality is the Gini Index. This index is a number calculated by comparing the income or wealth distribution of a hypothetical perfectly equal society to the actual income distribution of a selected nation, then multiplying it by 2. A country with a genie index of 1 indicates perfect inequality. This is where one person has everything and everyone, well, is just living in internal eternal famine. However, you'd never see this extreme in real life, because everyone except that one person would starve. A genie index of 0 indicates perfect equality, where everyone would earn the same wage and have the same income and wealth. Meaning no matter how young, old, what occupation you're in, how experienced you are, you would earn the same exact same wage. So of course, you'd also never see this in real life. Not even, not even in communist states. Because if it did, a six year old would, who just learned to read and write would earn the same income as a CEO of Disney. The genie indexes of developed countries calculated after tax are approximately around 0.3. So pretty equal. However, remember, even though it seems like a minuscule amount, there would be a wide range from re- respectively similar and equal to unequal economies. However, the Gini Index has its limitation. It does not disseminate information on how income or wealth is distributed across a country's demographic, such as its ethnicity, race, religion, etc. It also doesn't indicate how a country could easily or difficultly escape from socioeconomic inequality. And it doesn't give social insight into a country's equality or inequality, or where it derives from. It is merely a quantifiable statistical data generalization of the of equality and inequality of a nation. However, what it does tell us is that equality or imbalance can be both qualitative and quantitative. Knowing this, economic inequality has derived from numerous other factors. It is a multifaceted and dimensional problem. Economic inequality has its roots in a society's imperialism, colonialism, p- policies, and specific marginalized group generations of discrimination. All these factors, when infused with each other, creates a homogeneous mixture that infects society by engendering class division and power imbalance, a theme we almost see even more evident today. The main reason why some countries are but economically so- and socially substantially unequal to others is because of the result of the choices made by the country's respective governing body. Let's dive into some of these poor choices. In the early to mid-late 20th century, a divide between capitalism and communism in the national ideology among and between nations widened. The main factor why selected few countries converted and looked to communism for a multitude of was for a multitude of political and socioeconomic reasons and factors. One of them consisted of reducing economic inequality to remove class division, a fundamental principle in communism. However, the switch to communism did create a classless state. It also dramatically declined economic disparities in the two most prominent and most significant socialist states, the USSR and the PRC, but most prominently in the Soviet Union. However, while having lower socioeconomic inequality overall in the societies, the economy's mechanism could not catch up to the contemporary economic lubricants of the world's leading nations. This meant that, yes, proletariats and people earned approximately as much as their neighbours, but it was close to infinitesimal. This served as a contributing factor alongside with other socio-economic and political reasons for the dissolution of the USSR in 1991, and why the PRC instigated its economy's shift to capitalism in the late 70s. But what about capitalist countries now? It's tempting to think that capitalism exploits and undermines everyone it can. But can capitalism reduce economic inequality? The answer? Well, there are numerous capitalist countries where socioeconomic inequality is stagnant or even decreasing. Prime examples are that of Ireland, with its Gini coefficient mainly trending downward ever since 1995, France's index keeping below 0.32 since 1979, and the Dutch confidants which have kept the Gini of 0.28 ever since the 80s, with all these countries being socioeconomically stable, fair, and affluent. However, while is it is possible that capitalism can reduce economic inequality, there can be side effects. In the case of the PRC, after the economic system switched to capitalism, its index shot up from under 0.4 to over 0.55. Still in correlation, its GDP per capita exploded from $1,500 to 13000 But how, well, how can you reduce socioeconomic inequality? One way to reduce socioeconomic inequality is a progressive taxation system. Most countries' tax policies are progressive. One example is Australia. The more money you earn and the higher the wage, the higher the tax rate you will have. Meaning, the more refined and gradual your taxation system is, the more it will profoundly reduce inequality, with the working class and wealthy supporting the destitute and the retirees. Transfer is an economic system where the government takes tax revenue from one group of people and provides it to another group. A transfer is fundamentally a system and step in the taxation system. One example of transfer is that of the social security programs, taxing the disposable income of the working class and utilizing it its revenue as a pension for retirees. A prime example of transfers is that of Italy. About a substantial 25% of it- Italians' income derives from government transfers. This is colossal when relatively compared to the US, with their figure representing a little over 5 An astutely educated, healthy community and workforce would in turn stabilize and boost a nation's nominal economy by commanding high salaries and output in the industry, thus contributing to the reduction of inequality as well as this, addressing the widening gap between those who have access to essential technology and the internet and those who do not, would reduce inequality by offering forms of communication and a proficient way of disseminating information. Limiting the powers of the ultra-wealthy. multi-billionaire entrepreneurs can buy social media platforms, looking at you Elon, and news outlets, and even bend government officials by blackmailing or coercing them with their extreme affluence. Laws should be mandated and enforced that address it and fix these colossal indemnities. This has been a brief overview of inequality within and among nations. We have yet to scoop into the multifaceted and colossal problem of global inequality. We haven't delved into class divides, what separates the aristocrats from the paupers, and we have yet to explore all the factors to the overbearing pyramid of the of the power struggle that stagnates the mobility for economic and social endeavours. Finally, we have yet to discuss the vast differences in economic inequality from one country to another, with the total income of three Americans making up more than $90 billion than the whole 109 million massive populace of Egypt. So to end on one final note, unless we stagnate and weaken the feedback loops of unfair, income distribution, and power concentration, society will collapse. Power and wealth are self-reinforcing, but equality is not. It always seems impossible until it's done. Thank you.